Hello, and welcome to the Dog Hack. A podcast series where we interview dog professionals. So today we're joined by Ben from Adios Plastics. Morning, Ben. Hiya. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Good. You've been on your morning dog walk this morning? Yeah, I have, yeah. It's a bit of a late one this morning, which was nice. <laughs> what, what's a late one for you? Um, we left at 7 o'clock. That's a late one? Yeah, that's a late one. Well, what? it's harder now because it's so dark. Um, yes. We, we normally, we were sort of normally 5am club, um, 5 past wow. 5. Um but yeah, so uh, we did a five o'clock one yesterday, but she didn't like it at all. Too um, dark. Yeah, too dark. Yeah, um, yeah. So not great. But uh, but I had to be somewhere really early, so sort of the only time we could do. So yeah, this morning this morning was nice. It was a yeah, a bit of a lay in and a bit of a later one. <laughs> That's a later. One. We're uh, we think we're an early walker at about half six. We usually go out. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, I think that's that's the time that we sort of need to be doing about now because it's the time the sun seems to be rising um, this time of the year. So, so yeah, yeah not I think for long though. No, no. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a struggle going forward. But yeah, I think uh, half six is a good time. Yeah. What's your walk? Is it around town? Is it in the country? Uh, in in the country, yeah. So, <clears throat> but we only moved here. Um, about six weeks ago, so it's all, all still really new. Ah. Um, we wasn't living too far away, but yeah, this 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 village is new, so we're still sort of getting used to to where to go. But there's, I mean, there's there's so many there's so many walks. There's it's just we're just surrounded by countryside, so it's really nice. So yeah, we're still trying to work out uh, different routes and stuff. So yeah, that's good. Field and woodland and or yeah, just field. yeah. Uh, mainly uh, there is there is woodland, but we um we need to find it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um yeah. So mainly mainly fields at the minute, but it seems to sort of carry on and on and on. So half the time we we sort of turn back. But this morning we were sort of forty five minutes in, and then um decided to to turn back because right. you know sort of an hour will do will do her plenty. Yeah. Um, so we sort of 45 minutes in and, but, uh, but we wasn't too far from the house. So it was sort of a quick 15 minute walk back. So, so that, Brilliant. that was cool. But yeah, yeah, no, so, um, lots to explore. So for our, for our listeners, what breed of dog do you have? A golden retriever. A golden retriever. And the name is? Luna. Luna. Ah, nice name. What made you pick Luna? Yeah, I mean it's quite a, it's quite a popular name. I don't think we realised that when we got her, but yeah, it's a really popular dog name. Yeah, Bernie used um, to have a, a girlfriend yeah. at the park called Luna, and it was a a husky cross. Yeah, I don't know what it was oh, crossed nice. with. It was it was crossed. Yeah, with. yeah. <laughs> um, but brilliant, brilliant dog. Yeah, all the Lunas yeah. we've met have been really nice dogs, actually. Yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you, How, uh, you haven't met our one yet. <laughs> <laughs> What's she like? Yeah, she's she's only um, she's only eight months, so she's still um, she's still a, a, a puppy, I suppose. Very um, young. Yeah, yeah, she gets really excited. Um, yeah, she gets really excited. Still, um, still on the lead a lot. Don't let her off uh, too much because um, yeah, she's not 
not quite fully trained. <laughs> um, not yet. But yeah, she's she's really yeah she's 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 really good. Um, she's really good with kids and stuff. Um, like my, when my nephew comes over and and stuff, yeah, she's really good with him. Um, yeah, she's just really excitable and obviously needs uh needs a lot of exercise. <laughs> yeah. And mind you, you said an hour will do her usually at a time, which is not too bad for a golden retriever. So they quite yeah, they like their I exercise. Think... Yeah, so I've spoke to a few people that that have got retrievers, and when well, when we got her from the reading I was doing, it was sort of recommended five minutes for every month. So you know, when she was sort of three, four months, we was doing fifteen, twenty minutes, and sort of building it up. Um, so now we're at about forty-five minutes to an hour. Um, but we'll see how that goes because obviously we haven't been doing that time for long. So we'll see how that goes, and obviously she's. She's always growing, so we'll, that's, we'll that's see. That's a good point. Actually, I've completely forgotten. We did exactly the same with Bernie. Um, the fa- the five minute per month. Yeah, yeah. Rule until they're sort of fully developed, and because airdales yeah. take around, they can take up to eighteen months to fully develop airdales. Yeah, has, I imagine exactly, it's about yeah. the same for a golden retriever. They've got to let the bones yeah. set right because otherwise, it's too um, too much exercise. It can sort of st- stunt their growth. Yeah, like you you yeah, wouldn't send a twelve-year-old yeah. child out to do uh, to do a marathon. bodybuilding <laughs> yeah. or a marathon, yeah, exactly. yeah. Marathon. yeah. So so now we're, uh, we're always sort of cautious over over times and and stuff. But then you know she, if you can see she's got tons of energy, then it's obviously quite hard. Yeah, so to sort of to rein it in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And what made you so Luna? Is that your first dog? Um, yeah, as a, as an adult, yeah. <laughs> adult, yes, but you had them as a child. Yeah, 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 yeah we had, uh, we had border collies. Nice. And what was that yeah. like? Yeah, it was good, yeah, yeah, we had, um, yeah, my dad was a real, real fan of border collies, so we always had border collies. Um, yeah, that was good, so I suppose I sort of like, like the bigger dogs, I sort of prefer, prefer bigger dogs, um, that you can... You can sort of take out for, say, a bit, a bit longer and stuff. I think some smaller dogs you can as well, um, certain breeds. But yeah, I'd sort of prefer prefer the bigger dogs. So yeah, with the border collies, it was always it was always nice taking them out and and exercising and and yeah, that was that was really good. So what made you go for a golden? If you've had collies as a as a child, what made you pick golden retriever as an adult? What what drew you to them? Yeah, I think they're quite a really good, uh, really good family dog. So when we sort of start a family, it'll be it'll be good um, for that. So I think yeah, really good family dog, um, good with kids. I think they're I, would, I I might be wrong, but I'm sure they're one of the one of the friendliest breeds you can get. Um, so that that sort of that was that was really appealing. And then um, yeah, just for their amount of energy as well, because I like to get up early and get out. So that sort of fitted in nicely with that, which is obviously what we're doing, what we're doing now with our morning walk. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So uh, I wanted some, f- yeah, yeah, something that would be up before me and have the same energy or, or more. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think it fitted, it fitted nicely, nicely there. Um, and yeah, I always sort of thought of them as a sort of typical, typical family dog. Yeah, so it's nice. It's nice. Um, and how are you finding the first yeah, eight that... months so far? 
Um, yeah, yes, um, it's good. Yeah, we see a lot of a lot of learning. Um, yeah, because it's pretty much our our first dog sort of thing. Um, in that sense. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of learning. Um, but but yeah, it's um it's good. Yeah, I think when we got her, it was obviously a massive lifestyle change because we was obviously used to our all of our time and we could do whatever we wanted whenever we wanted yeah um and then yeah you sort of get a dog and yeah obviously um yeah it it changes but it changes in a good way so so yeah um so yeah that's good um yeah she's a bit hard at the beginning we're yapping through the night did we got her uh we got her her little um her little pen and um and cage we never we never wanted to to shut her in the cage so we bought her a pen as well that we attached to the outside of the cage so she sort of had a little bit to run around um at, at night but but yeah she would just jump jump up at the pen all night so yeah you just you just constantly have this racket of her jumping up at it um so yeah it was quite hard at the beginning but she's good now you don't need to hear from her until until about five o'clock. <laughs> until five, that's still really early though. What's what's bedtime? Yeah, I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, must it's it's something must be something in her. Just yeah, five o'clock comes and you can hear her jumping up at the stair gate. Um, but she doesn't she doesn't bark. She's a good dog. She doesn't shoot. She might do one bark and that's it. Um, sort of in the morning. Um, Just to be so like, yeah, I'm up. Let's go. Yeah. It's time. Yeah, but then I try and not go straight down because I don't want her to, to think, oh, as soon as I bark, it, he'll come down. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, don't, go, I don't go straight down. I'll, uh, I'll wait at least 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and have you been doing the puppy classes and stuff? No, no, we didn't. Um, no. We didn't. No, it was... Um, it, where we were living there was a lot there was a lot of dogs around um well there's a lot of dogs here as well but there was there was a lot of dogs where we lived and we got to know them all pretty quickly so she would socialize with them every morning um right. and they was helping me uh train her and they was giving me all different tips and stuff so puppy classing we never we 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 never really did it um yeah she got a lot of socializing with other dogs in it in the village and, and they was helping out so so yeah we never really got around to doing it and i think a, a lot of the ones we looked at they was only up to like 12 weeks or, or 16 weeks and stuff so by the time it sort of came around it was it was oh well these ones are, are, are no longer suitable because she's already older than that oh i didn't realize so. they had the age restrictions on on the puppy well on, on the ones that we 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 looked at too there were there was one in the village hall that they was doing and then they do them in pets corner as well and i think the pets corner one was up to 12 weeks um so yeah there was sort of these was let's see yeah restrictive ages on them as well and um i think as well because she was getting so big so quick we were sort of worried that we were going to go along and there'd be all these like little tiny tiny puppies there and then we'd bring her and she was she was already quite big um <laughs> so yeah we never we never got around to doing it yeah not yeah i can't remember whether we took ours now i'm going back six years i don't think we i think he went to a few yeah um but he was pretty good at you know sit and stay and 
down yeah, and yeah, so yeah. on by that point. And that's, like you say, lots of socialising in the park is uh, fulfilling that particular part of it. Yeah, with, yeah, with I think so. Yeah, that's that's what sort of people were saying that anything she she needed to sort of learn, we could we could sort of do it um, ourselves. Or, or and the socialising was also f- uh, very good as well. So I think I think if, if she wasn't socialising, then we definitely would have done it. Yeah. Um, but the fact she was around so many dogs every day um, was 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 really good for her. Yeah, like you say, it's every day as well, isn't it? And those puppy classes are usually once a week. Yeah, 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 that's it. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started the business then before you got Luna? Yes, yeah, not not long before, though. <laughs> so it was, all sort of, it was all sort of done around the same sort of time. Right. Um, yeah, we got her, we must have got her in, the, in March. Um, yeah. Yeah, we must have got her in March, but I I started a business actually on um well I don't know when there's obviously different times I suppose you could you could call sort of starting it, but I think Christmas Eve last year was was the day when I decided right I'm definitely going to do it um because you know you got nothing better to do at Christmas than no, yeah, you know, I'll quickly <laughs> I'll quickly just 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 to start another business um so yeah, i think christmas eve was was the day when i thought right that's it i'm definitely going to do it um but my my stock didn't turn up um i think my stock didn't turn up until until the may yeah and, and we got her in the march right so, yeah okay. we got a sort of after i'd made the decision to do it but uh before i'd actually started se- uh, selling because usually the a lot of the businesses that we've spoken to, the <clears throat> business starts as a result of a need um, that they've identified of their own through, dog. through having their own dog. Yeah, so it's it's always interesting. Yeah, when yeah, the I think that's starts a, first. Yeah, I think that's a really good story. I think it's better than my story. I haven't <laughs> got a story like that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. What, so my story is isn't as exciting. <laughs> what is your story then? How did you come up with the idea? Um, and what is the idea? Well. Well, we had, we have, and still have cats. Um, so we always sort of had had pets anyway. Um, and I wanted to get into in the, into pet products, um, but I wasn't sure what to do. And it was around the same sort of time that um, we was watching a lot of David Attenborough on TV and all these new. Um, he was doing all these new series um, and stuff. So we was becoming a lot more aware as a lot of people were at the time about the sort of damage that plastic was causing to the environment um so i wanted to do something about that so we sort of changed our own sort of habits and stuff around the house to to reduce our own plastic and then at the same time i wanted to get involved in something to do with pets because i always liked dogs anyway and cats (laughs) um and just animals in in general so i really wanted to get involved in that field somehow um so yeah for a few months we were sort of trialing different products seeing what was about but um i couldn't really find that at the time the things i was trying there wasn't really a need a need for change in those sort of products that i was looking at um there were there, there was already really good products on the market and i sort of thought well i can't really add that add any value some of the stuff I was looking at and then 
sort of came across the bags and because I didn't know what the difference was at that time between different bags, I didn't, I, I didn't have a clue. This is so uh, dug waste bags, poo bags. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I started looking at yeah different dog poo bags um, as and you do. Uh, researching that. Yeah, yeah, as uh, as you do. Yeah, so I started researching that. Um, yeah, and then sort of through that research, we found that actually we could we could add value to to this product. We could do something better. Um, done, done. What was already available. Um, so yeah, we sort of went on to, on to do that. Um, but I had the idea for, for about a year, and I was, I was sort of back and forth, back and forth. wasn't sure whether to do it or not, because um, it was quite, it wasn't a massive risk, but it was, it was enough of a, of a risk to, to sort of think, you know, should what, I do it or not? What made you take the plunge in there? What was the the trigger um, moment? <laughs> well, Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's when it was. But um, I don't know. I was sort of procrastinating for a year, and I was back and forth, back and forth. I had a lot going on. Um, we had a lot going on at home um, with sort of uh, different things. Um, I'd just taken some time off at my other job um, for sort of various reasons, and I wasn't. And I, w- I wasn't in a great place, and I wanted to do something to um, to sort of make a difference. Um, I, w- I wanted to to you know help make a difference somehow. So then I thought, oh, do you know what? Like this is it. Like, I'm just going to do it. And then I think, yeah, it just got to a snapping point where I was like, right, that's it. Like I have to, I have to take the plunge. And I was speaking to to friends of mine. And I kept on, I kept on messaging them, and I was saying, "Oh, you know, this idea, da da da." And I'd kept on telling them things about the idea, and I think they was getting a bit annoyed that I kept on talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so they was like, "Well, you sh- you just need need to do it." And then sort of, yeah, just decided to take the plunge really at that time um, because I really wanted something else to focus on, and I wanted to do something that had some some sort of meaning behind it. And just for those who don't know and aren't aware, the the, the idea that you've had that's very unique um, with the, with the poo bags in particular is yeah. if you want to tell our listeners what the, yes. the idea yeah. is, yeah, yeah, sure, um, yeah. So we made the we made the bags from from plants instead of plastic, basically. Um, so yeah, we use cornstarch in all the bags to make them. Um, instead of a, a plastic, which are used in a lot of the ones that on the market at the minute, actually most of them out there are made from plastic, one way or another. So yeah, we decided to go down a different route. It wasn't new. It wasn't uh, innovative. I didn't invent it. Um, there was other companies doing it at the time. Um, but yeah, we uh, we decided to make dog poo bags from from plants, uh, cornstarch um, instead of plastic. Um, yeah, so obviously help help reduce uh, people's single-use plastic, and um, yeah, sort of make a difference to the environment, um, reduce plastic use, and sort of a more sustainable option. So there were other people so, yeah, doing the, it, but you the, you seem to have become uh, one of the more well-known brands um, yeah, for it. Yeah, I 
Yeah, there was. I think at the time, at the time I was looking at it, there was one or two other companies doing it. Um, but it's really big in America and Australia because the laws out there are a lot more strict. So what what you can and and can't uh, get away with when you're advertising uh, different products is it's a lot more strict out there. So these these bags made from cornstarch, my ones are, are a lot more popular in uh, countries like Australia and America. So there's really big companies out there doing it. Um, in the UK, there wasn't many people doing it at the time. And now there's a couple more people doing it, which which is great because it all, you know, all helps educate people and it gets the awareness out there. So yeah, it seems to be seems to be becoming more more sort of popular. Um, yeah, but at at the time there was only a couple of people, uh, and we thought that we could we could add value to it um, by you, you know the sort of different uh, ideas we had with the packaging with with the colours, um, working with different charities um, and everything else, so that it was always from the start. Everything that we did was was going to be around the environment. Every single which which is which is really hard to do because you really need to obviously be careful on what you use, um, on what your packaging is made out of, how you send your products out, um, what what promo material you make. Um, and everything else. So every every choice we've made is always with the environment in mind. And so, with the environment in mind, the material that you've chosen to use, you said, was cornstarch. Yeah. What's the difference between? Because you see a lot of poo bags, you know, on the shelves at pets at home, on Amazon, or whatever, that say that they are yeah. either degradable or biodegradable or some such thing. What? <laughs> Why are they not as good as we think they are? Um, yeah, so with the there's there's the there's all different types. So if we start sort of with the degradable ones, um, for for example, so um, these will either be advertised as degradable or they just won't have it, it, anything on on the packaging. So so these are the ones that you can get a hundred of them for a pound. Um, sometimes I say biodegradable and sometimes I say degradable sometimes I just don't say anything um, depends on, uh, on the brand but the cheapest ones you can get at the minute they're sort of 100 for a pound nice and cheap but they're just all all made from from plastic so it's like pretty much 100% plastic and um, then, then they're not going to break down they're just going to last hundreds and hundreds of years until you know they eventually will break down, but that time frame is obviously different. People got different ideas on that time frame, whether it's three hundred years, four hundred years, or however long it is for a plastic bag to break down. So that's the sort of bag that you would get in your supermarket, sort of a, a few a few years ago. So you, you stand the plastic bag. Um, so that's that's that one at one end of the spectrum, and then there's uh, there's the biodegradable ones, which um they it's a plastic bag but they they mix it they they mix them with an additive um it's an epi additive and what it does it speeds up the the breakdown process which uh sounds great and advertising is biodegradable but the thing is biodegradable in the uk doesn't really mean anything hasn't the laws behind it there's not really a strict thing to advertise something as biodegradable it's not very it's not sort of policed uh, in a sense, if you see what I mean. So there's not many laws behind 
behind what that has to mean. So a biodegradable bag, they'll it's made of plastic, they'll mix it with an additive that speeds up the process of it breaking down, but what happens is it never fully breaks down and it never totally goes away. It will just exist as microplastic. So it will keep on breaking down, keep on breaking down, but in the end it will just survive as microplastic, which then... Um, whether that ends up in our oceans or whether it sits in a landfill or whether it gets into the environment some other way it's just always going to be there um, and that breakdown process of the biodegradable ones on none of the packaging will it tell you how long that takes because they can't they can't back it up they can't guarantee they just say you know it, it breaks down quicker okay fine so a plastic bag takes 400 years to break down so how long is quicker? What is it, 200 years? No. 100 years? Okay, it's quicker, but how much quicker? And um, they won't put on the packaging how long it is because they can't they can't back it up by science and they can't prove it. Um, and, and, yeah, what's coming out now in sort of recent studies is that actually it just breaks down um, as far as microplastic where it will just forever exist. Um, but I, d I didn't know that at the time, so I was sort of researching that and sort of finding out, finding out about that. So that's sort of that's that's the next bag up, if if you like, you can get um, where you'll pay a bit more for. Um, there's there's all different brands selling them. Um, they're most of them are around the, the same sort of price, um, and then the other type you can get is um, is the one that we're doing, where they're certified compostable to European standards um, so there'll be EN what's called EN 13432 certified um, which means they can break down um, uh, they can be composted um, but their EN certificate is for the like uh, for industrial composting um, but we've also got the home home composting certificate as well um, so they're sort of two two certificates for that um, that sort of cover both the home composting and the commercial composting um, so these bags obviously they're made from cornstarch like I said um, the the manufacturing process is a lot is a lot longer and the machinery to make them is a lot more expensive so obviously in turn the bags are more expensive to buy unfortunately um, but yeah that's another type you can get and 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 these are certified to break down uh, when composted uh, within six months, they'll they'll totally uh, break down and they'll go back into the environment. So it's just like a circle. It's just a circle. They'll they'll break down, go back into the soil, and then um, uh, crops will grow from that, if you like, which will then you know make the bags again. So it's just it's just a cycle. Um, so it's it's a fully sustainable option. Um, but yeah, because they're not obviously mainstream, they are a lot more expensive to buy because the the machinery and the process behind it is a lot harder. Obviously, plastic is just so cheap to make, so these these other options are are more expensive. So where where do you of, make your yeah, the the machineries uh, and the 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 materials are more expensive to source and to make? Where do you mm -hmm. make? Your bags? Do you do? Are these done at home? Do you have a like a factory that produces them? No, no, it's not. It's not something that that we currently do 
um, here, it is something that we we might uh, look at, at, at uh, later because I would like to to get into that as well. But but no, at the minute they're they're manufactured overseas. Um, there is there is um, there is a chance that we're going to sort of make them in the UK going forward. But yeah, at the minute they're overseas. So they're not produced in the UK. No. No, oh, the packaging okay. is is made in in the UK, right? So, all of our packaging is 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 made here with a company in Kent. Um, so yeah, we make the packaging here, but the bags aren't. Where do the bags come from? Uh, China. China. Okay. Yeah. That, that bastion of manufacturing at the moment. China seems to be making everything for the world. Yes, that's the problem. Um, I would rather um, get them made elsewhere. Um, but it's not it's not as easy and it's not as feasible as um, as you might think. Um, the the Chinese are a lot more accommodating to your needs, yeah. and they'll go that extra mile. That unfortunately, other companies just just don't seem to to do a lot of the time. Like I did contact companies in Europe, um, but half the time I just didn't even get a reply to my email. And then if I did get a reply, then their minimum orders would just be ridiculous. Or they wouldn't make the colours that I wanted or something. Some Something just wouldn't wouldn't meet the sort of criteria that, 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 that we was looking for. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a shame. But hopefully that uh, that will change going forward, obviously, as, uh, as we grow. Hopefully we can do. The plan is to do something here in the UK. Yeah. How like do you just... with, with the packaging. So it's it's interesting when because obviously you've started this new business, you've started reaching out to people. But how do you even know who to start emailing, either in Europe or in China or wherever, to start saying, "Well, this is what I want to do. Can you help?" Is it is it just a Google job, or is there more? I've got another business that we do a lot of. We do a lot of business with China, um, totally different products. Um, but yeah, in that business that. I've, been doing that business for about six seven years so we've got we've got a lot of contacts in china which obviously helped as well so just sort of i've learned a lot from from that business about importing from china and and, and different contacts and everything else so to actually find the supply out there wasn't wasn't too difficult so yeah that that kind of that kind of helped with with my experience right and you said that you've got this, this just to go back to something you were saying before, you were saying that there was two yeah. types of certification for the composting. Yeah. There was an in, an industrial one and a home composting yeah. certificate. What's the key differences between those? Um, it's mainly to do with temperature um, that the bag will break down. So there's there's a lot of composting products out there at the minute that, uh, that advertise as being compostable, but they might not be home compostable. So... Um, it needs to go to an industrial facility. It's all to do with temperature. Um, if I'm quoting it right, um, which I should be, um, a home a home composter, you can only I think the maximum you can get up to um, if if you do it properly is about sixty degrees, um, which might not be hot hot enough for some compostable products to break down. So that's that's the main difference. Where is it? Uh, an industrial composter. Will become a lot hotter, so it can break down more and quicker. 
Right. So that's that's the biggest difference is to do with temperature, um, and just obviously the the environment it's in. So if something's only industrial certified com compostable, then it needs to go to that facility. Whereas when something's home compostable, you can compost it in your home composter at that temperature um, that you can get it to about sixty degrees. That's that's the main difference. So whether that's something that uh, it's the process of how they make them, or what they put into it, or, or or something that obviously makes that product break down at a lower temperature. So is does that mean then, depending on which certification the compostable bags have, is there somewhere specific you need to? dispose of the if, if somebody made the switch to adios plastics and they start buying the, yeah. the, the poo bags from you guys where where is there somewhere specific they have to dispose of them is there like a better way of disposing them yeah yeah ideally yes um so what a lot of my customers do is, is they will use a home composter so they'll, uh, they'll just uh, chuck them in a compost that home it needs to be a separate heap from your household compost it can't be mixed with any stuff to, with any food waste that you might be composting you must do it separately so they'll have a separate compost heap for their dog waste and um, that's what a lot of customers use or you can use which is what what we've got um, which is a dog poo wormery where the worms just just break it down um, which is quite it's quite cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can use a wormery which you can pick up online pretty cheap. Um, it's best to keep it like it in a cool place, like a shed um, or something like out the, out the way from from animals and children. Um, yeah, somewhere where the, where the rain can't get to it uh, for the wormery. So yeah, we uh, we keep ours in the shed, and. Um, yeah, you just the worms will break it down, and then it will produce compost at the end. Is it still good for the use. environment if if you were you know you're out in the park? There's a there's a dog waste bin in in the corner of the park. Yeah, or, or there's you know just a standard litter bin. Is it still beneficial to the environment if you're using the Adios plastic bags and you stick them in one of those bins? Is that not it's, as good as the composter, but it's still better. It's than definitely else. not. It's definitely not as good um, because obviously, when when you're composting it, you know what's happened to that bag. You see the obviously chain of it, and you can go right. That's it. It's broken down. It's compost. Like guaranteed. Like that's it. Like that's total zero waste. Um, when you're disposing of it elsewhere, it's it's hard to say because it's different for all different councils and in all different places in the country with what they do with those bins and what happens after you chuck it in there. So, for example, um, some councils all incinerate the bags, um, which all produce um, fuel. So they'll they'll turn it and and they'll use it to uh, power um, the uh, uh, the local village or, or the local town or something. So they'll incinerate them. But yeah, I think Sheffield burning. does that. My, my granddad used to work at the, the plant in Sheffield where they uh, yeah. used to take all the rubbish to the plant, burn it, and that generated the electricity for the some of the houses in Sheffield. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's that's one thing which has its own problems, um, and it's not it's not great. You can't you can't simply just burn plastic um, without obviously any any side effects. Um, so it's not it's not great. But, that's but you could one burn one of your bags without side effects. Yeah, it's not gonna. Yeah, it's not, it's not gonna give off the the carbon dioxide that that burning plastic does. Right. Um, that's that's one thing. But obviously, it's very. There's still a lot of obviously research and stuff uh, going into that. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, when they're burning a the plastic and they're incinerating it, it, it gives off a lot of carbon dioxide, which can be controlled in these plants. Um, but there's always a chance that if it's not if it's not manned properly, if it's not set up properly, then that some of that is always going to leak out. Um, I think there was a study done, uh, if, if I remember rightly, when I was reading it um, in 2016 uh, in the US, the waste incinerators they've got uh, released the equivalent of 12 million tons of, of carbon dioxide. Um, more than half of that came from the plastics that that they were incinerating. Mm. So it's a lot of obviously carbon dioxide going into the environment when when they're trying to use these incinerators. Um, and again, on that same study, it was saying that the US haven't opened a new incinerator since 1997. So it's not something that they're currently doing a lot of or or trying to open more at this time because of obviously the side effects of it and and also they don't know where to put them because no one wants to live near a waste incinerator so it's no. quite hard to obviously scale that up and, and build more incinerators because um they don't know where to put them <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that's that's one thing um but i i'm not an expert on it i don't know the exact what's going to happen after it because it is all different in different places in the country but that's one thing that I've I've heard a lot of and that I did start looking into but I don't think you can simply burn your way out of this plastic problem you can't just keep burning it yeah. I think oh it's alright it's fine like, we'll, we'll just keep on burning it all like fine it's producing fuel but it's, you can't just simply uh, burn your way out of it carbon dioxide uh, yeah, uh, carbon dioxide, it's, it's not just that uh, either. Let me just see if I, I did have some notes on it. Um, that it wasn't just carbon dioxide, it was things like uh, dioxins as well. It was releasing dioxins into the environment, um, dioxins um, remain in the environment for for just years and years, and they can cause things like cancer, they can disrupt ho- hormones, things like that so there's a lot there's a lot of obviously you know sort of side effects if you like coming from that so basically if you, even if you take the compostable poo bags and you stick them in a normal dog waste or a normal litter bin out and about on your walk i guess the bottom line that you're saying there is you you just simply don't know where that's going to be taken yeah. to and all, although got, burning that wouldn't yeah. create the dioxins it's potentially no, burning, just adding to uh, the burning that is not going to produce um the same result um and obviously the second one of the other ways that the councils get rid of them is obviously landfill so landfills are tricky as well 
um, I can't say you, what would happen because you'd have to contact your local council because how landfill works is there's different ones. There's what they call open landfills where they turn the waste and it gets oxygen to it. That's great. And then there's closed ones where they just seal them off. There's, there's no oxygen, there's no sunlight, there's no nothing and it just sits there. If the bags end up in a closed landfill, not even a banana peel is going to break down. Uh, okay. Because there's no sunlight, there's no oxygen, they're not turning it, there's there's nothing, it's just sealed off. So it's not the right em- environment even for a banana peel to break down. But if the landfill is open and they're turning it and there's oxygen and there's some sort of light, sunlight, um, then it will break down, but it won't break down in that same time frame of three to six months because it's not the perfect environment and it's not strictly composting. That's a landfill. It's a different environment. But it will break down um, and it's not going to obviously produce microplastic at the end because, well, there's no plastic in it anyway, so it's impossible for it to for it to produce anything like microplastic that the other bags are. Right. Okay, well, that makes a so, bit more, that makes yeah. So the the ideal scenario, the ideal scenario, which a lot of my customers do, is compost them at home or use a dog poo wormery. Um, they're very low maintenance. It's very easy to do. Even if you don't use the compost at the end, it doesn't matter. You're just gonna have a heap of compost there. Like, but it's not. It takes it. It. It's not like. It, it's it's going to produce tons and tons of compost after a year or two years. It's going to be like a smaller a small amount for what you're producing with your one, two, or three dogs. Um, so it's not like you're going to have tons of compost and you're going to know what to do with it. So even if that compost is sat there and you didn't use it, it's still better than plastic sitting in the environment. Yeah, so and you were saying say you can't. Customers, you, you were saying you can't mix it in with you your can't mix it. With your food waste, yeah. and why you is can't that? mix it with your food waste. It's it's going to contaminate you basically because you're not you can't guarantee by composting it that you're going to get rid of the pathogens in the waste. So right. it's going to be harmful if you use it um, to, uh, on plants that you're planning on eating. So ah, don't, right. Okay. Don't use the compost on on your tomatoes or your spuds or or right. or, or, or whatever. Um, so. The, it, the compost is perfect for things like hanging baskets, sh- uh, shrubbery, just flowers in uh, pretty flowers in your in your garden that you don't plan on eating. Yeah, see, <laughs> so I you thought you meant that. that you couldn't. You know, we have these. We live in a flat in town, so we have these. Um, what we call the veg bin. You stick your food in it. Yeah. And I know some people yeah. will compost that not to use for f- yeah. growing food. And I thought you meant don't mix it with that compost. But providing that compost isn't being used for food, you could mix it with your carrot peel and everything else. As you long have to as mix it, it in, the, in the right the, ratio. On the tomato stuff. Yeah, you yeah, need to you mix it grow. in the right ratio as well. well. Ideally, you just want to do it totally separately and control that environment yeah. so that it breaks down in the right time frame. Okay. So you'll put your dog poo in there, and then, like, if you have a quick look online, there's 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 tons of tips um, uh, on it. There's things like if you add sawdust, it uh, it helps it break down quicker. Um, and then you you need to be adding water as well into the heap. So if you're doing a separate controlled heap, you're going to get that 
effect and it's going to break down in that time frame. If you start mixing it, obviously I can't. You can't guarantee like how long that that's going to take. Oh, so if yeah, because if you've you're got like eggshells sort of, and carrot peels, yeah, and yeah, it could affect how exactly. long it takes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's best to sort of. I would just recommend doing it on a separate, on a separate heap. And what about the smell? Um, Do you ever get people worried that it's going to stink having a dog poo compost thing in the garden? Is that a valid concern or is that don't you know it's um, going to be in there you're not going to worry about it no i think it's in there you're not going to worry about it you you put the lid on um and um it's it's fine like with our wormery we keep it out in the shed um i've never had i've never had a smell uh issue or anything w- uh, with it if if you're composting it's best to keep it in in the corner of the garden obviously away from where any children or animals are playing or anything um, what they do in America, which is quite popular, is they'll just bury it into the ground. So they'll get like a massive drum and they'll just literally bury it in the ground so that you can just obviously get to the lid and take the lid off and then they'll just cover it up. And then they'll they'll, they'll just go there, take the lid off and put the poo in. Right. And there's people in, there's people in America that will get these massive drums and they'll do that and they'll literally, after like two years, like it's not even like 20, 25% full. So that's what I'm saying. Like if you're worried about what you're going to do with the compost at the end, like it's going to last so long until, until you sort of have to worry about what you're going to do with it. Um, so and you yeah, don't, because it's a small amount and you can just spread it over to fertilise your uh, dahlias or... Yeah, sunflowers yeah, or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. So that's the ideal scenario. Obviously, that scenario isn't going to meet everyone's needs. People like yourself, you said you you live in a flat. It's not going to work for you. There's there's people that have got small gardens. It might not necessarily work for them. So the other argument is, with the plastic bags, how do you think they're making them? How, how are they making plastic bags? They're digging right. oil out of the ground. So how do you think, you know, they make these millions and millions of bags? The, 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 the process behind making a plastic bag, is that good for the environment? Mm. No, because they're digging oil out of the ground. That's obviously a limited resource as well. So that's the other, the other side of it is, one is what you do with it at the end, but, but two is also how do you make them? And the plastic bags are being made with petroleum, it's oil, and everything that they're digging out of the ground, and it's not that's not good for the environment. So the start of it, as soon as they start making that plastic bag, it's not good. Yeah. So there's benefits from both sides when when you get yeah, rid of it, but also just from the production itself is a yes, exactly that. In my opinion, that's what that's what I say to people um, is that when and then. Um, the more that people buy these plastic bags, it's just funding those companies more and more to just produce more and more. So it's never going to change. So when more and more people stop buying them, things like compostable bags will become more popular and the price will come down because obviously there'll be more demand and it will drive the price down. Yeah. The price of the machinery, the manufacturing process, everything will come down in price when there's more, when there's more demand. And then... On the, on the same thing as well. When there's more demand, there'll be more options to get rid of those bags. 
So our plan is to, um, like you say, you're walking in the park and you've got your dog bin there. We need another bin next to it for your compost bag. And, and that goes somewhere specific from the council. And Yes, exactly. And that that bin gets picked up and goes to an industrial composting facility, which already exists. Not loads and loads of them, but there's they're around. And then that goes to your in, in industrial composter to be composted. So there'll be two bins in all these parks. But obviously, um, yeah, that's 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 our aim. That's where we want to get to, where um, you're obviously solving that problem of what do people do with it. And then if people have a separate bin, then that's going to solve that problem. But as you probably know, there's there's already not enough bins as it is let alone having a second bin. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, that's the that's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. Um, yeah. so. And I, so, one of the things of Resist, so in, in my mind before the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing the research, I'm looking yeah. at the website and stuff, and I'm thinking, for if we, if we were going to make the switch here, and you start to think about, well, yeah, what would it smell? Would it be this? Would it? And I think we've we've already discussed a lot of that but i was yeah i'm always interested to know what i've other... i've never had anyone comment on the on smell, the smell. Like, actually but... i've never that's that's never came up um so, so yeah i don't i, I don't me. see that being an issue i think if you have got an issue with that then you might not be doing it right you might not be doing it properly <laughs> so when you when you're composting it you, you can mix it with sawdust and water and everything else, so it will get rid of that. It should get rid of that smell. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah. have that problem. I, um, well, I've never heard anybody else either. Uh, just for clarity, I've never heard anybody say that. It was just my mind as I was thinking. If I had a garden, yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 it out, it's a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what I was wondering is because I, I think we've covered everything else. But with I was wondering if you have any other things that frequently come up from people who are considering making the switch that you hear that's sort of like a consistent resistance to it and if, mm. if you wanted to yeah yeah number one thing is price right N- uh, number one thing is price they're twice they're at least twice as much as what people are currently paying so a box that we sell for 9.99 you can get the same amount of plastic bags for 4.99 so n- number one concern is price Right. Um, but that's obviously if you want to reduce your plastic waste, you want to live more su- sustainable. You you want to obviously try and do what you can for the environment. Then, unfortunately, with this specific product, they do cost more. That's it's not choice. that we charge. It's not that we're just charging more for the fun of it. They do cost twice as much to make. Yeah. Um, because of obviously the reasons I said earlier. So so number one thing is price, but. As more and more people start buying them and as they become more popular, that price will come down. We're already trying to get it down with the supplier by buying more, um, which we're we're working on at the minute. We're putting an order together at the minute. So we're trying to drive that price down as much as we can uh, while obviously still keeping the bag exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, number one thing is price. Um, so it, it, it it's not going to be for everyone because because of price and number two thing is obviously the questions you ask what do you do with it at the end i think i've covered most of that yeah um so to to clarify if it does end up in landfill 
if a banana peel can break down in that landfill, then so would a bag. Yeah. If it does, if it can't, then it's because there's something seriously wrong with how that landfill is. It, it, it might be sealed off or closed. There's no oxygen. Nothing's going to break down ever, re- re- regardless of whether it's a plastic a bottle or a banana peel. They're going to just sit there. If it's an open landfill, it's got oxygen, it's got sunlight, they turn it, then that's it's, it's going to break down. But there's, I don't know, instead of taking six months, it, it might take 12 months. For example, but even then, that is still three hundred and ninety-nine years less than yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, and it's one. not gonna and it's not gonna produce obviously the microplastic and everything at the end. Um, so yeah, but but yeah, n- number one thing is price. Number two is what do I do with it? Um, so yeah, I think I've tried to answer those questions as as. What about the strength of the bag? Does it? Is anybody ever worried about how? Yes. You know, is it going to? Yeah. Is it robust no, it's a, enough? It's a good question. It breaks yeah. Down that yeah. Easily. So what we we sell samples on the site, um, where where you can just cover the the delivery charge ninety nine p, and you'll get four bags as a sample, so so people can test them. When I speak to people who bought the samples, they say the main reason was to test the strength. Now the strength is brilliant. They're stronger than any other bag. You any other dog poo bag that you would have used before. And at worst case, it's the same strength and guaranteed because the bag is 20 microns thick. Um, let me just get the maths behind that quickly because I can never remember um, exactly what it is. Um, yeah, uh, equal to one millionth. Uh, yeah, so a micron is one millionth of a meter. <laughs> so it doesn't give you much to obviously go on, but right. it's a million for uh, of a meter. I thought it was, but I couldn't remember if it was a hundred thousand or a million or whatever. But okay, fine. So a micron is a unit of measurement for the thickness of something. Okay. So our bags are 20, 20 microns thick. Right. The cheapest bags that you can get out there are normally between about thirteen and fifteen microns thick. And all the super duper branded ones, everything else, they might go up to 18 or 19 microns thick. Because obviously the thicker the bag, the, the, the more expensive it, it is to make. So we thought, well, we're already expensive anyway. We might as well just go the whole hog and do tw- a 20 microns as well. <laughs> just just, just put the price up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we obviously w- w- wanted to cover that um i've ne- touch wood i've never had a problem of any any bag splitting i've never had a customer email me or complain about the thickness um the thickness is the thickest poo bag that you're going to get out there there is a couple of companies doing 20 microns but it's there's not many because it's more expensive to make um so yeah thickness has never been a problem um so people should uh, have uh, no concerns about the thickness no, about what they no need to do with it afterwards, because even if it, even if they are sticking it in the worst kind of landfill, at least from the production side, they've done some good. Yeah, uh, from the production and side, no... and it's not going to give off all the carbon dioxide at the end of its life. Yeah. And even if, which is what some research I did as well at the beginning, you just reminded me of, even if you could say, okay, it gives off. A tiny bit of carbon dioxide, whatever it is, even if it gave off the tiniest bit, it's only 
um, what's the word like counteractive against the carbon dioxide that it gets out of the air when it's a plant. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what the word is. There's a word behind it, but it just counteracts against all the carbon dioxide it gets out of the air when it's a plant. So even if someone tells you, oh no, they still give off carbon dioxide or they give off this, that, or the other, there was research uh, done that even if if it does, it would only counteract against obviously what that plant takes takes out of the air at the time that it's a plant. Right. So it's net zero essentially. Yes, that's it. That's that's there's a there's a, there's a word. It's like a carbon neutral. That's it. Ah, okay. Yeah, carbon. It becomes carbon neutral. Right. So so yeah, from the production side, you're doing some good, and from from the disposal side, yes, it, uh, generally it's better. But I'm not a scientist. No, no one that I know of, as that I've seen online, has done tests on. Um, on, on different landfills and what happens with these particular bags. Um, obviously, the whole dog poo bag is a relatively new industry anyway. It's not exactly, it's not been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm. Um, I think it I think it really became s- something in what like the sixties or something when people actually st- started picking it up. Um, so obviously, it's still a relatively Very new, new um, thing as well. Um, yeah. So even with like a lot of these biodegradable bags, um, research on them is only just coming out now um, about what happens to them. There was a recent article, I think it was the Guardian, and it was on on National Geographic as well, where I actually spoke spoke to the to the guy behind it as well, the professor, a guy named Richard, down in Plymouth University. He'd he'd tested uh, different different bags in different environments. And what had happened is after he'd he'd buried these these biodegradable bags, shopping bags, um, and at the end of three years, the bag could still carry. I think it was f- something like five pounds of shopping. Oh. Um, the the bag was still intact. It hadn't. It it kind of discolored. I know his words were something like it. It had hardly. It hardly made any difference and hardly broken down after three years. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was you can you can you you can just Google that to find it like uh, biodegradable bags, uh, the Guardian or something, and yeah. uh, the article will come up. And he tested uh, all different bags um, in all different environments. So yeah, it goes through all, all that. But yeah, the the biodegradable ones were still strong enough to carry five pounds of shopping. After three years. Oh. Well, we are rapidly running out of time. So before we sign off, um, one question that we like to ask everybody who, who comes on the podcast is, uh, if you were Prime Minister for the day, what one dog-related thing would you make mandatory? Yeah, I've thought a lot about this, <laughs> this question. Obviously, I'm not... And a lot, a lot of people obviously give in very good answers, which was also... One of the answers that I had as well, which would obviously be um, stricter laws for dog cruelty um, and yeah, people that people that don't look after their dog properly. Um, so yeah, that would definitely be up there. But I think if I was to, to maybe give um, another answer, it it would be stricter laws for. Um, not not picking up your dog poo or um or leaving your bags hanging on 
trees and whatnot. Yeah, the, you're the second person to bring that one up. Yeah, the, yeah, the, I think the poop bags in trees. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think the uh, stricter laws on animal cruelty um, was the first answer that came to mind, and I know it's been a lot of other people's answers as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's that's a key, a key one that needs to be made more mandatory. Yeah, yeah. And what, what about outlawing? Is there is there one thing that you would like to see outlawed? <laughs> Plastic bags. <laughs> Plastic bags. <laughs> yeah, I, I think would, it will come. I hope I, that's what I, you would I think say. It will yeah. come. Yeah, yeah, I think it will come. Obviously, there's there's a lot of people out there. Like, oh, quickly as well. Um, so if you're not sure on what our bags are made from, if I haven't explained it well enough, then they are the same as the new shopping bags that you'll get in a co-op. It's the same material. Right. Um, I don't know if you've you've ever used them or been down to your local co-op or anything, but they've they've switched to green compostable bags now, shopping bags. And, um, yeah, our bags are the same material as those. Um, so, yeah, um, a, a lot of supermarkets have obviously switched to alternatives and they have completely banned plastic bags in, in some countries now in the world. So I think it will come here in time. Okay. Um, uh, Morrisons have started doing paper bags. Uh, Co-op have gone to compostable. Um, so... So yeah, I think just a total ban on 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 oh, single plastics. use plastic bags, including dog poo bags. Yeah, and that would really revol- revolutionise this sort of industry, if you like, for for picking up and disposing of your dog waste. That's what it needs. It needs not just a total ban, but a a better resolution with what to do with it at the end. Like obviously, the idea of there being a second bin to put your compostable bag in yeah fantastic well yeah. change is coming thank you uh, very much for joining us today before we sign off if anybody is interested in more information or they want to make the switch they want to find out more about the company where do people get a hold of you yes yeah, so um, website adiosplastic.com uh, facebook adiosplastic Instagram, adios underscore plastic. Um, if you want to message me any questions or if you're not sure about anything, if I haven't explained anything well enough, then obviously feel free to get in touch um, with any questions. And like I said, there are samples on the site as well that are really popular when people just want to try them before they make the total switch. So obviously people are welcome to try the samples and yeah ask me any questions but but yeah our aim is to obviously get this product a a lot more out there um drive the price down and improve um improve the facilities available with what you can do at the end of its life amazing fantastic well thank you very much for coming on and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon yeah cool thank you bye take care bye